Stay refreshed with Taste Salud, the ultimate hydration experience. Dive into the world of Agua Frescas, designed to elevate your day, boost your energy, stay hydrated, and unwind with Salud's on-the-go stick packets, each with just one gram of sugar. Exclusive for our listeners, enjoy a 10% discount on your first order with code TASTE10 at checkout. Visit tastesalud.com for the full selection. Taste the difference with Taste Salud. Cheers to health. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. All right, First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filippone. You know the drill. Every team, every game, every week. Coming to you, recording after, whoo, buddy, 42 to 10. An ass-kicking. Niners over Cowboys. I said last week that I was on 17-0 and watch for the Niners. They were only a three-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Covered that one going away. What's your biggest takeaway? So did you bet the 49ers then big with that I did opinion? not. I did not. <laughs> I did not. I'm 15-0 and on the air, and I'm an idiot for not including this. I'm, so I'm, I'm, what made you take Dallas in this game then? I forgot. I don't know. A guy forgot I know. What? My own thoughts. <laughs> forgot my own thoughts. Dude, Wait, what I is this guy action. I know? What is this, you know, this guy I know? Some texts like, you know, people who are gambling. Guy I know, we, we text about gambling all the time. And he'd been hot. And I was like, hey, do you have anything on this game? Like, I've got nothing going. Want a little bit of action for the nightcap. And he's like, I like Dallas small. And I'm like, all right. So I took Dallas plus three and a half. Didn't oh, even this think about one it. person's opinion on sports betting is so powerful that it caused you to yes. erase or forget everything that you had <laughs> said about the two teams. And you lost. I mean, I'm not proud about admitting this on a very popular podcast in which I want people to value my opinion. And I am 15 and 0. But yeah, I didn't have a feel. I was looking to get in some action. I texted someone, said Dallas, and uh, it backfired. But that's not wow. the point. Let's not, yes, let's not, let's not leave as a small loss for me <laughs> and another profitable NFL Sunday for your well, boy. Look, uh, but the moral of the story here is that we've both been dead wrong about Dallas. You in the more big picture sense that you thought that they were a team that was right up there with the cream of the crop in the NFC. They're clearly not. And I'm wrong in that in the short term, I thought that they were going to play a close game and even win tonight against the 49ers. Uh, it really is, I think, um, a come to Jesus moment for that, for everything that's going on there in Dallas with McCarthy and Dak Prescott. And this idea in Dallas that McCarthy needed to push out kick Kellen Moore in order to maximize Dak Prescott, that that was going to be what untapped them. This was the game 
that you circled when the schedule came out. Okay, let's see if you're for real or not. You lose by 32. Also, their defense. And look, the Diggs injury in practice a couple of weeks ago was obviously a killer. But you retained your defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, and gave him a lot of money with the idea that he was going to interview for NFL head coaching jobs. And you had someone that gave you a huge competitive edge because that guy was so good at his job that it was going to keep you in games like this. And you gave up 42 here. This is San Francisco's best offensive game of the year. And I think most football experts or most football fans like you and I thought coming into this game that maybe at worst Dallas was a top five defense, top eight defense to get just blown out like this. So, I mean, it. They, they've they've largely, Danny, since 95, they've largely been frauds and paper champions. And this game was just the latest example of that. It was. On the Niners' side, Purdy was incredible. His accuracy was spectacular. Collinsworth couldn't stop gushing about him. Four touchdown passes. Three to Kittle. Kittle's first ever three touchdown game which shocked me their offensive line kicked the crap out of the Cowboys defensive line looks like it was yeah that's a great point the Cowboys offensive line getting manhandled in this game is a really big uh like um aspect of the whole thing component of this whole game that that was supposed to be a real battle between their offensive line and the 49ers front and it wasn't both sides, though. Yeah. Both sides. The Niners' offensive line kicked the crap out of the Cowboys' defensive line. Micah Parsons was really a non-factor in this game. So was Lawrence. They did nothing. Purdy had all day. Yep. And it was just it, – it was very – it was just – they are – it's – it's obviously Shanahan's great. Their line on both sides of the ball is great. Warner is great. Ward, Hufanga in the secondary, great. Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, McCaffrey. They got players everywhere. It's the best roster in the NFL. It speaks to, let's say Brock Purdy is average, just for the sake of the conversation. And he's clearly playing at a high level. And I want to say another thing about Purdy in a second. Let's just say he's average to remove the hot take from it. There's a tremendous amount of value simply in having an average quarterback Making the minimum. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if you remove, oh, he's great. He's top 10. He's a system. He's a fraud. He throws interceptable. Let's just say he's the 16th best quarterback in the NFL, but he's making the minimum. That's a huge edge. The guy on the other side who threw three picks and got benched for Cooper Rush counts over 40 million against the cap. Yeah, good point. You you know, like, like, so like, that's the stuff that, in the sports take industrial complex gets missed about what Purdy's value is to the team. It allows everything else to be spectacular. And then I'll say this about Purdy. Cause listen, I don't think he's special personally, but he was amazing tonight and he's proving me wrong. And if they go 17 and 0, I'm going to feel really dumb that as we sit here tonight, right now, you can have Brock Purdy at 10 to 1 to win MVP of the league. Now I assume Tua would get it, but 17 and 0? No, he wouldn't. No, no. If if they if they're an undefeated team, the quarterback on that team who puts up big numbers gets the MVP. I mean, that's the you know, it's, Dude, it's but hard McC- for me to McC- still- McCaffrey has a touchdown in 14 straight games. Yeah, like, he'd get the he'd get the offensive player of the year, I think. I'm just, but I'm just saying, like, like the 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 credit for San Francisco gets spread around sure in a way. But like, do you agree that the Niners are clearly the best team in football, and it's not close right now? Yes. Yeah. After this game, yes. Yeah. Okay. Then doesn't it feel like value to have their quarterback at ten to yes. one MVP? Yeah, I agree. Like, I did not think that they could win a Super Bowl with, before the season started because of him. I thought that water was going to find its level. I thought that he was going to get a rude awakening and that he he was going to wake up and realize he was the worst, the last pick in the draft and that they were going to regret the way that they handled 
uh, everything they did with with Trey Lance trading him to Dallas and punting on him. You know, Dan Orlovsky said at one point in early September that he thought that Sam Darnold was the best quarterback on that roster, and if he got a chance to play, he'd be better than than Purdy. I mean, a lot of smart people have have misevaluated this thing, and I think really what it comes back to is this: like, it's Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have gotten wrong like the drafting of players or the acquisition of quarterbacks when a quarterback is not in house with them and they have to go by what they see on tape or what they they're scattering reports, et cetera. They don't do well with that. Like obviously the Trey Lance trade and then getting rid of him is one of the worst moves by an organization of the last decade plus. But what can't be argued is when they have somebody in their system under their watch, they evaluate quarterback play better than anybody. Like we doubted when they said, no, Brock Purdy's our number one quarterback. He's better than all of our other guys. And we're like, wait, what? It's not even a competition. Well, clearly when they have somebody, they know. Right. I mean, that's. Oh, dude. Me, he, I mean, he, he like Brock Purdy knows the system is accurate and he gets the ball out fast. That's valuable. He doesn't take sacks. He's got he good pocket awareness. All of it. That's what I'm saying. Like he 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 knows where the ball is supposed to go. He doesn't take sacks. He hits his receivers in stride. He's not going to throw a 60-yard Hail Mary. He's not going to be the guy that he wouldn't be a top 20 pick to I need a 20-yard out route to the sideline, you know to drive it past the charging corner on the ball, catch the ball, tap your toes, get out of bounds to kick a field goal. Like his arm strength isn't above average, but like accuracy, anticipation, pocket awareness, knowing the system, he's great. He's great. And with that offensive line, that play caller and those skill position dudes and that running game and their defense, it, I just think that I, I think that if they played the Chiefs tomorrow, they'd win by 10. Like, I just I, I think that they are the best team in football by a, by a comfortable, comfortable margin right now. All right, Pony, let's uh, let's get to the games. We've had football all day today, started with the back to back in London. We had a ton of thoughts on this one last week. Bill's Jaguars. I'll use my. My one here early is the bigger story: the Jags win or the Bills loss. Uh, I think the bigger story is that the Jaguars won the game because what it did here was that it. I don't know if it quite elevated them to. It did not elevate them to top contender status, but it got them back into, I think, a place where most NFL people look at them as the team to beat in the AFC South. And I think that they looked like in this London uh, sojourn, like the team that won the division last year and then won a playoff game. So, you know, Buffalo, the argument for me picking them is if they win this game, you know, maybe you can make the case that they're the best team overall in the AFC, that they're the team to beat in the conference. Um, but I think Jacksonville needed a, needed a win that made people think again that they were the team that the preseason uh, hype or expectations uh, centered around. Like they needed a game like this. So I would say them, Danny. You? I think it's Buffalo's loss. Um, White getting hurt for the season last week. And then Milano, Milano, and then Milano yep. today. So that's best secondary player, best linebacker in back-to-back weeks. Yep. Season enders. I looked at it before we started recording. The Bills are 5 to 1 to win the AFC and the Jaguars are 11 to 1. That doesn't feel right. And I'm not saying that I like the Jaguars. I was not particularly impressed with them. The ball was on the ground way too often. Trevor Lawrence still makes way too many mistakes. In the red zone, ETN had a good game. He he had a he had a great game, 
Uh, but they did a good job of showing the graphic on like what Trevor Lawrence's completion percentage is uh, when it drops into the red zone versus between the 20s. It was like he completes like 42% of his passes coming into this game once he gets inside the red zone. It's just a weird thing that they haven't figured out yet. And I, I mean, he's obviously really, really talented, but I just don't trust them to execute at a high level against teams that are playing their A game week in and week out. And Buffalo didn't play its A game today. Josh Allen with some bad underthrows uh, to Diggs. We talked about Jacksonville staying over in London to try to maximize the home field advantage. Uh, you talked about the circling of the game and how it was a bigger game for Jacksonville than Buffalo. It just felt to me like Buffalo lost a little bit more than just a game today. I, I don't think that Jacksonville deserves to have better overall odds than Buffalo, but I don't think Buffalo deserves to have odds this high because those are just two huge players for them to lose if they're expected to slow down high-powered AFC offenses. I just think it was emotional draining what happened against Miami. And I thought we saw some of the things, like if if this were the only game for us to go by this year, if this were the game, the first game of the season, I would be saying to you right now, see, look, this Diggs Allen frustration is still a real thing. He flipped out on the sideline again. You know, what's going on there? Like, even in the best of times, they've won four in a row and they've looked outstanding. You know, there still seems to be an undercurrent there where the best wide receiver allows for his emotions or his uh, temperament to get the best of him. Uh, but I like what you said there, like their defensive injuries at some point, are they going to come back to bite this team? You got to wonder that. And for Jacksonville, you know, they played two, you could say maybe self-inflicted wounds, but they played two really good defensive games against the Bills and the Chiefs. They've played defensively. If I would have told you before each game, 20 points against Buffalo and 17 against Kansas City, those are numbers by their defense that should be enough for Trevor Lawrence to win both of those games. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought Buffalo left points on the field, though. A hundred percent they did. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I, it, it's, it's like the old takeaway or giveaway argument. I that, that didn't feel to me like Jacksonville. Well, the one interception by Williams on Diggs was a, was a takeaway. That was an awesome play. Yeah, and and Jacksonville Josh Allen is also a beast and got home against Buffalo Josh Allen. I'm not, I'm not saying the defense played poorly, but it felt like with better execution on offense, Buffalo could have hung 30 in that game. Like it did not feel to me like a dominant performance by the Jacksonville uh defense. All right, Vikings and Chiefs, do style points matter for KC? They win, they cover, but they had a Kelsey ankle injury in there. There was there was drama late in the game. Your thoughts on what Kansas City was able to do in Minnesota today? So, this is weird. Because they still didn't get Nick Bolton back. They kind of thought that they were going to. And he's their best linebacker and kind of the captain of a defense that has been very, very good. McDuffie. Sneed, obviously Chris Jones, you get Nick Bolton back. I mean, they, it's got the makings of being the best defense of the Andy Reid-Mahomes era. I think it's pretty comfortably going towards that, assuming they stay relatively healthy uh, the rest of the way. And the offensive line is spectacular. But if you just looked at the box score of this game, it's 11 targets for Travis Kelsey and he catches 10 of them. For only 67 yards, his explosiveness has not been there this year. He gets open, he catches the ball, but he suffers another little injury, comes back, Herculean effort. But then after that, two catches for Watson, four for Rice, two for Ross, five for Tony, two for Gray, uh, Gray two for McKinnon, one for MVS, one, uh, two for Sky Moore, one for Pacheco. Who is the second best player in the passing game for the Chiefs? We're five games into the season, and there is no good answer for it. And Kelsey is amazing, and their chemistry is the best of any two players in the NFL, maybe in the last decade. May, I mean, you probably put them on the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers tier in terms of best quarterback 
playmaker chemistry that we've seen. But like, if the explosiveness isn't there for him and no one else is emerging, they're the best team in the league or in the AFC. I still think the Niners are the best team in the league, but the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. They deserve to be the favorites. And all of those things are true. But I am worried that nothing is emerging there offensively a third of the way into the season. Yeah, I, I think if I'm a Chiefs fan and I give this team the benefit of the doubt because I've watched them win two Super Bowls in the last four years. I get it. I, I feel good because I don't think Mahomes has looked like vintage Mahomes yet. These wide receivers have sucked. Their offensive line has been shaky at times and they're in first place and there's not maybe Miami. There's not another AFC team right now that like has me shaking in my boots. You know, it's not like what we see in the NFC with the San Francisco. There's not a team that makes me think, oh man, like the way that we've played through the first, you know, quarter of the season is going to come back to bite us. Like they're winning games. They don't look like the 2022 Chiefs. And you just, I mean, I, I would just think at some point it's going to click and the the switch is going to get flipped and they're going to be that team again. That's what I, if you had to bet on it. Yeah. Who is the, who's going to be the, uh, the, the second best playmaker? Or do you think it could be, they play th- four playoff games and it's four different guys in all four games or, or is receivers. someone going to emerge receivers? Yeah. Like, in, like in the passing game. No, I don't think they have, I don't think after, I don't think they have a receiver after Kelsey Tony has Tony in the preseason looked like he was going to be the guy. He sucks. You know, the Detroit game MVS is invisible. Watson makes plays downfield, but that's about it. You know, Tony Romo is going on and on about Justin Ross today. The guy was undrafted out of Clemson. You know, social media loves the guy. He makes a couple of catches. Rice catches touchdowns in primetime games. No, I mean, there's Sky Moore's been a bust to me. I thought he was going to be much better than what he's been. Like for me, they're they're a candidate to trade for somebody's wide receiver. I well, I, that's that's kind of where I was going. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I maybe it wouldn't happen in division, but like, if Denver wants to really bottom out, Jerry Judy, you know, like it just it it feels to me like the if it's the best defense and the best offensive line and the last year of Kelsey being great. It feels like next year's second round pick for a wide, for a good wide receiver on a bad team is a trade worth making if you're Kansas City. So yeah, I mean we're we're three we're what three games away four games away until the deadline. I just I'm sure they'll give it another couple of weeks. They don't need to be desperate. Their team's awesome, and like you said, there's no juggernaut in the AFC. But the style points thing would matter a little bit to me. Uh, in, in the passing game. I'm just surprised nothing's happened from there. All right, your game, Steelers-Ravens. How badly did Kenny Pickett need that game? You know, he made a huge throw at the end to seal it, which he's a, he's able to now take into the bye week with him, so clear his mind with that. The fact that they're in first place, they're 2-0 and against the AFC North teams. You know, all of that is good. But, you know, I, I look at this as way more a Ravens loss than a Steelers win. Uh, this is the type of game where if I'm, if you're looking back on the Ravens, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, just humongous gaffes from both of these guys, from both of those guys in this game. Uh, Harbaugh sends the offense out there fourth and short at the end of the first half, has a chance to make it a double digit lead. Linderbaum snaps the ball because he thinks he's got the Steelers offside. He doesn't. It's an incomplete pass. They don't get points there. I mean, two possession game against the Steelers is going to be a win with how anemic their offense is. Fumble on a on a punt return, short field. You're guaranteed three points with Tucker. One of the worst throws of Lamar Jackson's career to Odell Beckham Jr. in the end zone for an interception. It's an easy. Uh, pitch and catch for Joey Porter Jr. Should have been the game right there. They kick a field goal, the game's over. That's it. They're coming out of here with a win, and they're 3-0 and on the road against AFC North teams. 
So for the Steelers, like they, you know, they have a pulse. They're tied for first place with, with, with the tiebreaker on Baltimore. But I think the much bigger story is that the Ravens really could have come out of this as the clear favorite to win the AFC North. And just like they did against the Colts a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, they had ample opportunity to put this game away and they didn't with drops by wide receivers and self-inflicted wounds. Would it surprise you if I told you that the odds as of this taping for the AFC North has the Ravens still as the clear far and away odds on favor to win the division? No, but the worst thing that happened to them today, and we'll get to them later, is that there was a team in, in Phoenix today that showed some life with their quarterback and number one wide receiver. So if you're telling me that they're still the clear favorite, if Cincinnati's third and not second on that list, then there's there's where the value is in that division right now. Pony. Okay, so this is going to shock you then. Baltimore is plus 110. Cleveland is plus 270. Pittsburgh is plus 460. Cincy is 5-1. to one. Well, then there's the bet right there. I mean... That's an easy one to me. After this weekend, I mean, how would you, having watched the Steelers through five games, they went eight quarters without an offensive touchdown. That's two full games. They oh, I don't think it should be Pittsburgh. I, I, I agree with you that Baltimore gave the game away and they were, uh, you know, a few minutes away from having road wins over every team in the division and it would be a stranglehold. The whole thing would be over. Um, See, I don't think they're there that they're that impressive, but I don't know that I saw enough from Cincinnati today to run to the window to set up. This is the different. See, this is why I, I probably why I'm by I'm jaded here, and I answered the Chiefs' question the way that I did. The Chiefs have not played great, and they found a way to win some of these games on the road. The Ravens have have lost games to the Colts and the Steelers that they have absolutely no business losing. And in the grand scheme of things, that's either going to cost them a home playoff game or it's going to cost them a playoff spot altogether. Like, I have a lot of respect for John Harbaugh. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL. But I know what their record says they are. To me, they've underachieved through the first. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, I would. I mean, I, I, quarterbacks. I think we, we've been talking about the whole, like, is the offensive system going to click? Like, are they going to, like, I, my theory on them the whole time has been they're going to get better as the year goes on as they do this, like, drastic transformation ar- around Lamar and the system and working in all of the new pass catchers. So I do still uh, leave open the possibility that that's what this is going to be. And everyone else has not been as advertised. I mean, Pittsburgh was the preseason darling. The Bengals were one of the Super Bowl favorites. You know, the, the division as a whole has been very disappointing. I I know we'll talk about Cincy a little bit later. Uh, so they can get to three and three next week with a home game against Seattle. And then it's the bye and hopefully they get healthy. Out of their bye, though, in San Francisco, home against Buffalo, home against Houston, in Baltimore. Yeah, they got a first place schedule. It's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. Right. They're, they're, they're in Jacksonville. They're in Kansas City. That since he's since he's got a very 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 tough schedule, if you want to bet them at five to one. Have you heard of Nordic Knots, the Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand, gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world, with rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. 
With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Uh, go ahead, All next right. game. Yeah, next up, we've got Carolina and Detroit. Our adopted team, the Lions. Yes, sir. Would you be panicking about the Bryce Young trade if you were a Panthers fan? Yes. And it has very little to do with Bryce Young. Because, okay, I'm not saying it has nothing to do with Bryce Young. But we talked about this when it happened. A guy like DJ Moore is Bryce Young's best friend. Any rookie quarterback's best friend. Now he doesn't have DJ Moore. And he doesn't have the draft capital to build a team around Bryce Young that is the worst supporting cast of weaponry of any team in the NFL. They are 32 out of 32, even though Thielen has looked. I told you that in August. I said, how are they going to win games with these weapons? No, I, I, I know it, but like in addition to, but they won seven games last year and and they upgraded at coach and they upgraded their entire coaching staff and in theory upgraded their quarterback. I mean, they're the odds on favorite to get the, to give away the number one pick. They could have trade. They could have ended up trading DJ Moore, Caleb Williams, Darnell Wright, the guy that the, the bears drafted this year at right tackle and two more second round picks for Bryce young without having the draft capital support, Bryce Young. So it's just they're they're supposed to be bad, but they're supposed to be like six or seven win bad. They're not supposed to be this bad. So I think we're gonna get at some point it Frank Reich is obviously like the salt of the earth guy. He was one of these dudes that, you know, if not for coaching, he'd be he'd be a reverend or a pastor at some church somewhere. Sure. He's one of these guys. So he's not I don't think a guy that is into, you know, the Sean Payton, this was the worst coaching job in NFL history. Like he's not somebody that will do that. My prediction is by the time this season is over, somebody, an insider will, will report that Frank Reich really wanted CJ Stroud with that first pick that will get out there. Because everything be nice and good for Bryce Young. Everything well, hold on. Everything that everything that was said by Reich about quarterbacks before the trade got made suggested that he preferred that type of quarterback. And that's what the gambling odds reflected. Correct. Yeah. So I think the own my my personal opinion is that the owner made the pick, is that Tepper got involved and picked the guy. And look, that doesn't let Frank Reich and McCown and Caldwell and all the people they have there off the hook for the way he's looked and played for the first few games compared to Stroud. But I don't think it's going to work. And I think it's going to come out. It's not going to take long to come out, but that's really not, if left to their own devices, what they wanted to do at quarterback. I mean, what a disaster if they end up also giving away the first overall pick. Uh, One thing about our Lions, and I'll let you claim our Lions, even though they were my Lions before they were our Lions. But I probably will just point that out a few more times. Jamison Williams comes back, gives them basically nothing. No Amon Ross St. Brown. No Jameer Gibbs. And they have 28 at halftime. Dude, the ceiling for this offense continues to be best in the league. Are the Cowboys going to have better odds than them Monday morning in the NFC? That's an interesting question. Because if your answer is no, then I made the right bet when we talked about this on the last podcast. Because I went into that saying the loser of that that 49ers-Cowboys game is going to have their odds take a dip especially if it's Dallas. Well, they're they're up right now and it's Dallas plus 550, Detroit plus 800 to win the Does NFC. that make any sense to you? No. No. No, it doesn't. Thank you. 
Dude, I agree. I, I told you that I think that if Detroit played Philly tomorrow on a neutral field, that that's a 50-50 game. Because the best How part of the about Detroit against San Francisco. I don't feel good about anybody against San Francisco. <laughs> Not even but, the Chiefs? No. Even though they went there and won last year? Yeah, I don't feel good about anybody against San Francisco right now. They they look incredible. But just one thing, I mean, on the Detroit-Philly thing, like the, Philly's defensive line against Detroit's offensive line, it's one of the few offensive lines that would measure up pretty damn well against them. That'd be an incredible game. I would love to watch it. I hope I hope we get that in the NFC Championship game of the divisional rounds. It'd be great. What's next? All right, Colts. Oh, no, it's my, my game. I'm sorry. Okay. So our good friend Nick Wright, shout out to Nick as always, first and pod loyalist. He booked us at plus 450 on the Colts to win the AFC South when he heard our pod last week and the odds everywhere were like plus 410, plus 420. He thought we were dopes. He gave us extra juice out of charity. How are we feeling about our Colts bet despite the fact that Anthony Richardson got hurt? Well, I feel about the same. Because we got the Jonathan Taylor news uh, this weekend with him getting the contract extension. So he's in a good place. And also, you know, not that I think he's going to be the end-all be-all for them because Zach Moss had another huge game against the Titans today. So now they've got like a one-two punch at running back. Um, Minshew stepped in and was really good again. I think he was 11-13 against Tennessee. So I still feel like even though the odds don't reflect this, I still think we've got an undervalued team in the Colts in that bet. I I just like the way this team plays. I just do. I like Zaire Franklin on defense. He had a monster game today. Seventh round pick. What a steal that guy was from our alma mater. Huge fan. You know, they, they just, they have been, you know, if they, it's so interesting because if they were doing this with Matt Ryan, with last year's preseason expectations, people would be much higher on them. But because they're doing it with now a hybrid between a rookie quarterback and a journeyman backup, nobody gives them a shot. But they are just quietly going about their business. They've played one bad game. They could have easily come back and won that game against the Rams last weekend. I just there's a lot of football left, and I think that this team with the coach they have is building towards something, Danny. So I'm I'm a fan of the bet we made. I, I'm a fan of it too. Um, you know, next week is huge. We could really. Part- I think it's I I I think it's a bonus game for us. They're at Jacksonville. They never win in Jacksonville. The Colts always go there and lose. Well, they are, but they already lost to Jacksonville. You know, they they already lost. Won. Yeah, they are. They yeah. already lost their home game. So, like, p- part of part of the logic that I liked for the bet was that I had Buffalo beating Jacksonville in London and the Colts beating Tennessee this week, and that giving us a little bit of a cushion for the head-to-head next week. So that you know they're going to be a, I don't know, four and a half to six-point underdog in Jacksonville by the time that game kicks off, and you know, pull up and up, pull off an upset on the road. We're in an incredible spot lose the game, still have a shot at it because Jacksonville's schedule is considerably more difficult uh, than the Colts. It's one of the easiest ones on paper. You know, Richardson has now left three games with injury. That doesn't bode terribly well. Obviously, none of them have been that serious. This one's seeming like it's the most serious. But I think Gardner Minshew is a top 25 quarterback. And I think the formula that they were going to use last year with Ryan is working this year. The offensive line is way better. Yes, it is. Than it was last year. Yeah. I don't know what That's happened huge. in the offensive line last year. That was weird. It didn't make any sense. Um, Broncos and Jets, the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl. How embarrassed would you be if you were Sean Payton? I pride myself on not feeling a tremendous amount of shame. I embarrass myself often. And I don't really – Sean Payton doesn't strike me as the type of person who is too humble – too, too uh, prone to shame and embarrassment. But this is pretty embarrassing, man. Like, you talk that shit about Nathaniel Hackett 
The Jets name him their fourth honorary captain for the week <laughs> and give him the game ball in the locker room after the game in your house when he hangs 31 on you after what you said? I mean, that ain't great. That's not a good look. And I bet the Jets on the money line in this spot because I saw what happened when the Bears played the Chiefs one week and the Broncos the next, looked terrible against the Chiefs and looked like world beaters against the Broncos, lost the game, but moved the ball at will. The Jets looked pretty damn competitive against the Chiefs. And then after some some stumbles early, settled in and put 31 on the board against Denver. Like Denver is bottom five in the NFL and he just got embarrassed at home against the guy who we said was the worst coach, did the worst coaching job he'd ever seen. It's pretty bad. Yeah, and Zach Wilson had a brain fart at the end of the first half where they didn't get points there, where the clock ran out. On yeah, them. I mean, the Jets were actually right for the for the for the taking today. Denver, this is another game they could have easily won. They didn't. Um, you know this this whole idea that Sean Payton was going to rejuvenate Russell Wilson. It ain't happening. Uh, that fumble at the end of the game that ended in a Bryce Hall, not Brees Hall, fumble return for a touchdown. You could see at the end Peyton like trying to talk to Wilson, like giving him the business. Wilson wanted no part of it. It's honestly, it feels like it's going to end up being a legacy staining tenure for both guys in Denver. Like, Russell Wilson right now, gun to your head. Is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? No. Would you have said that before the Denver stint? Of course not. I would have said he is. Right. I mean, he also said, dude, he was talking about how he wanted to play in his 40s. I know. So we thought he had 10 more years or nine more years, you know, of not that he'd be like necessarily high level for the whole thing, but like he said, he loved the game. He was going to play for another decade. And so you assume that for the majority of that, he was going to be good. And yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. The league has turned on him. Players turned on him publicly last uh, year. Did you see Sauce Gardner tweeted Jets country? Let's ride. That's amazing. <laughs> they won. I mean, That's both amazing. of those guys. The Broncos are 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 seriously when you think about it. In the last twenty years in the AFC, there's the Patriots, and then the next rung down is like the Steelers, Ravens, and Broncos, and they have a long tradition of winning there, going back to the '80s where they are consistent. Do you not winning. mention the Chiefs? And well, yeah, Chiefs. Too. Well, yeah, you're right, Chiefs. Chiefs obviously would be the next rung down. That was a bad oversight on my part. All right, I just wanted um, to be sure you were talking about the same AFC. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, for fixing no that. But no like, you know, the Broncos have been one of the best organizations in football for like the last 30 or 40 years. It's a great football town. What has happened to them since they won Super Bowl 50? It's year after year. It's not even mediocrity. Like, they suck every season. And they've tried all kinds of different quarterbacks. And this isn't going to work. And, yeah, like, I, I would – they are, in my opinion, I think they are in one of the worst situations of any team in football right now. I mean, yeah. but if they if they get the number one pick – They're not going to get the number one pick. Why? They're not going to be worse than Carolina. I mean, they have one win, and their defense is historically bad, and Russell Wilson is a train wreck. Right. They're not going to get the number one pick, though. They're not. I don't see them being worse than Carolina. All right. I mean, well, I can't really refute you just saying they're not going to get the number one pick. I mean, do you think Carolina is better than them? In what ways? Uh, defensively, they're better. The NFC, I don't know. Like, dude, it's football. I thought that the Texans were for sure going to get the number one pick last year. And then they beat the Colts in week 18. And they converted on fourth and a million. And you know what I mean? Like they're with, they're in the team photo of teams that could get the number one pick. You know, I was going to wait to say this, but I guess I'll just say it now. I'm not, I don't think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. 
I'm just going to, I'll just go on record as saying that if that Arizona game got played at a time where people were awake on Saturday, there'd be all kinds of takes about how lousy Caleb Williams looked for about 45 minutes of that game. They've got every advantage with the play caller he has, the weapons around him, the offensive line, et cetera. I don't know how reasonable people could watch through the first six games of the season, Drake May and Caleb Williams play and come away with the conclusion right now that Williams is the better quarterback. I don't. Drake, I May, looks, Drake, Drake May looks incredible. I just uh, don't. I don't know how you could watch both guys right now and the players around both and think that Williams is better than him. Drake May, like I haven't watched a ton of either, to be totally candid, but I have watched like the highlights and like the Twitter videos of like, here's every throw that Drake May had. And here's every, you know what I mean? Like just like yeah. the, so, like, the out of context highlights. Drake May, he looks like my boy Herbert. Yes. Yes. That's, yes. That's, that's who exactly he looks right. like. That's yep. who he looks like. And um, they'll say, well, Williams looks like Mahomes. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Oh, I mean, listen, Caleb Williams has some pretty incredible throws, man. Like, the thing that with Caleb Williams seems to me to be is that, like, is he better at the off-schedule stuff than the on-schedule stuff? Like, his off-schedule throwing is, I mean, it's some of the best I've ever seen in college. It's pretty remarkable. Uh but is he going to stand there in the pocket and pick you apart? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, T- Todd McShay said that Caleb Williams will be a Hall of Famer. That was his That was his evaluation. Mm. He said he will be in Canton. Like, oh, okay. Well, that's pretty good. All right. It was uh, my, oh, my, my game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Giants-Dolphins. Dolphins posted the most yards of any team in the history of the NFL through five games. Are we watching a historic all-time great offense? Yes. Yeah, because it's a combination of the play caller and they have the most speed by far of any team in the league. And they have someone that knows how to untap that speed. The only uh, the, the, the 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 qualifier here is that, you know, as long as Tua stays healthy. Because if Skylar Thompson or Mike White has to go in there, I just don't think it's going to be that way. I don't think this is a Mark Bulger for Kurt Warner situation. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I know Buffalo last week was a little bit of an outlier, and kudos to what the Bills did with Sean McDermott and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, look at the the numbers speak for themselves. And when when you believe in the play caller and they have something, that no one else has, and that is the fastest players in the league where a dude ran 22 miles per hour on a touchdown run today. Yes, they are a historic offense. I tend to agree with you. I said it a couple of weeks ago. They feel very top-heavy. Like you said, if Tua gets her, like I also think that they become much more guardable if Tyreek or Waddle weren't out there, even though Achan is also a complete burner. And when I said that, he hadn't really hadn't really emerged. Well, is our boy going to go there and play well? I'd be surprised. So would I. I I, I would. I but would, if there's a place for him to thrive, it would be there. It's a it's a good it's a good spot for him. It's I I mean it's Kansas the best City spot would, for him. Yeah, I mean Kansas City would have been pretty good. Andy Reid has dealt with a lot of guys like that in his long tenure. Pretty good quarterback there. But he's big and he's fast. And that yeah. seems to be what fits the Miami def- the Miami offense. Can you run a 4-4? It plays here. I understand. M- most teams should be on. able to use 6-4-4-4. Most teams, if your offense isn't conducive to 6-4-240-4-4 speed, you probably should change your offense. Uh, but they are... They're a cheat code uh, when, when they're humming. It's it's pretty incredible to watch. You mentioned the first thing you mentioned is what I was thinking too. Like, it's hard to be noticeably different at anything in the NFL because it's such a standardized, randomized league, right? Salary yeah. cap, salary floor, parity, all of that. They are noticeably faster than their competition every week. It's hard to do. The next game of the year is going to be in two weeks when they play at Philly on on Sunday night football. That is going to be a bonkers game. Yeah, that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. 
Um, oh, no, go ahead. Your question. Okay. Uh, we've got Eagles and Rams. Eagles are far 5-0. and oh. Was the win over LA their best win of the season to date? I'm going to answer yes. So week one in New England, week two home against Minnesota, week three in Tampa, four home against Washington, and that's a struggle where they eke it out in overtime. They go across the country. Cup is back. Looks great. Him and Nakua both making plays. Nakua has the nice touchdown. And they hold the Rams to 14 points. And Jalen Hurts is just in complete control of the game. Over 300 yards passing. 72 yards on the ground, including a score. Multiple of those, like, you know, tush-push plays or brotherly shove, I guess is what they call it in Philly. (laughs) <laughs> 38 minutes of time of possession. To me, that game felt like Philly from last year. Like they they, they dominate, they, they had the ball the whole time, and it did not matter how good Cup looked because they limited the number of possessions and they played a game as if it was at Lincoln Financial Field, except it was five thousand miles away. I, I thought that was their most impressive win of the season by far. You know. I, I I would have said New England, but obviously what we've seen from the Patriots the last two weeks changes yep. the way I feel about that game. Um, you know, no, no, none of the wins are that great, right? Like they don't have an they 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 don't have a San Francisco, Kansas City, Buffalo, Miami. Like they they don't have a, a top win. So. But we've been talking about how they don't feel like the defending NFC sure. champs so far. This game felt to me like if they needed to score 35, they would have. Like, you know what I mean? It felt like they were able, whatever they wanted or needed to do in this game, they were able to do. I think the big thing that you mentioned there is like the 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 14 points from the Rams with cutback. Like I thought the offensive line was going to be a major issue for the Rams today, but there's probably a scenario in which McVay's able to scheme around that Stafford gets hot and the Rams score 24 points and win the game. That didn't happen. So this I think was their best defensive performance of the year. I would put it above what they did in Tampa Bay in that Monday night game. Um, It just feels right now like the NFC with my adopted lions, like we've got three teams. It's a three team conference, lions, 49ers and Eagles. And two of those teams are going to play in the divisional round. And one is going to get a bye to the conference championship game. And there's really nobody else in that bunch. I mean, new Orleans maybe could play a great defensive game. You know, maybe Seattle could have a, like a game where they, want to track me, you know, I don't even really want to say anything complimentary about Dallas right now, but those are like the dark horse teams. Yeah, It's when do Philadelphia and San Francisco play in the regular season, Danny? When is that game? It's not for a while. Is that late? Uh, That's late in the year. Yeah. uh, December 3rd, week 13. Yeah. Philly has a, Man, Philly's schedule is fun, man. So Philly, it, it, like now it gets real. Uh, next week against the Jets on the road. Then they get the Dolphins at home, the Sunday night game, as you mentioned. Then in Washington, then home, listen to this stretch. Home against Dallas week nine, by week 10, in Kansas City week 11, home against Buffalo week 12, home against San Francisco week 13, in Dallas week 14. Like that is... That is a great stretch. I mean, that's five straight games. Dallas, KC, Buffalo, San Fran, Dallas with a buy in between. That's pretty epic. So if they're if they're gonna if they're gonna be a contender at the end of the year, they're gonna certainly have earned it. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Houston and Atlanta, which fourth quarter drive impressed you more, Desmond Ritters or C.J. Strouds? Okay, well, first of all, this is a good opportunity for me to note that I am 15-0 and against the spread. <laughs> because one of my hits was the under on 41.5 in this game, 21-19 final score. Thank you very Have much. Have you taken your on-air prognostications and made money off of them too? Like, is this? Yeah. Okay, good. So this yeah. is so both on air and in real life, this is a very profitable start to the NFL season for you. I'm doing very well. Yes. Okay. I'm not doing as well as I would like because I obviously bet more than three games a week and I bet player props and things of that nature. Uh, but I am I am up a good amount of money to start the NFL season. I'm very happy with how this year has gone. Is this a new system? No, I think I'm just locked in. <laughs> Do you think covering the entire league and doing this podcast has helped in any way, shape, or form? Not particularly. No? Okay. (laughs) If anything, it's an obstacle because I have to avoid your terrible takes. Um, So, CJ Stroud, four bad drives in a row on the road. And then a 79-yard drive which he caps off a run where he still doesn't have an interception on this year, 186 passes without an interception to start, to start a career. The rest of the top five for most passes to start a career without an interception, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Kyle Allen, and Tua. Yep. It's pretty incredible company. It is. And so it's the type of, it's the type of situation where like, I'm watching this drive happen, and I'm like, this guy's unbelievable. And then Ritter, who everyone wants to bench and has faced booze from his home stadium, drives down the field and has his first fourth-quarter comeback and his first win. Like, Stroud is more impressive, is better, and is the bigger story. But he really isn't – like. Ritter had more pressure on him in that moment to deliver it. Now it's a field goal drive instead of a touchdown drive. So I think that Stroud's drive, like to answer the question, like objectively was the more impressive football accomplishment, but Ritter absolutely had more pressure on him to deliver in that micro moment. The macro story is Stroud, but the micro moment was Ritter coming through at the end. Ritter still has not lost a home game. I know. As a college or NFL quarterback. I guess I didn't know the college part. So I, I said I know prematurely there. I College and pros at Cincinnati and with the Falcons. He's never lost a home game that he started. So uh, your answer is right, though. I mean, Stroud is doing things. If I were a Texans fan, I would have still turned off that TV thinking, 
yeah, we lost. So what? We've got our guy for the next yeah. 15 years. And that's all that matters here. Uh, Bengals and Cardinals. I said we'd get to them. Jamar Chase said he's open all the time. And then he had a historic day for the Bengals. You asked the question here, how many receivers are better than him? Well, so I just, I, I thought that he deserved our focus because we both love shit talking. And he comes out and says, I'm always open. And then immediately backs it up with a three touchdown game. And then you mentioned Sauce Gardner's tweet after the game. Then Jamar Chase just after the game posted a picture of 7-11. I loved it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, so I just, I love guys who talk the talk and then immediately walk the walk. All right. So I've got three guys ahead of him for sure. Okay. I do too. Three. I do too. Justin Jefferson. Yep. Tyreek Hill. Yep. Devonte Adams. Okay. So I had Tyreek Jefferson and Cooper cup. Didn't you ask the question on the first podcast? Did Puka Nakua make Cooper cup a system wide receiver? Yes. Okay. I did. I did. I was curious if he did. And, you, and they both, I thought, they both thought there was some validity there. there. And now you're saying that, that you think Cup is better than Chase? I let's put it this way. I think that I think that Cooper Cup is a is a quarterback's best friend. You know, like you snap the ball, you can throw it to him, he's open immediately. He's not as dangerous as Tyreek Hill. He's not as dangerous as some of those guys. But that guy just is a cheat code to have out there. And he was first team all pro the same year that Devontae Adams was. So I don't think it's ridiculous to, to have him in that tier uh, of player. So because, I mean, Adams would be the next guy for me, too. So I, I think that the, the lowest you could have Jamar Chase is five and the highest you could have him is three. I think every NFL GM would take Jamar Chase over a Cooper Cup. Everyone. Except maybe less need in LA. I think I think the other 31 would not really give it a second thought. Do you think that Cooper Cup, when healthy, goes through stretches of games with only a couple of catches like Jamar Chase does? No, he doesn't. I agree with you on that. But like, I mean, it, it, this like... There were there were stretches where Wes Welker was a more productive wide receiver than Calvin Johnson. Would anybody have thought that he was better than Calvin Johnson? Of course not. You know what I mean? Like I agree with that. Do you think that he's Wes Welker though? Cup? Yeah. I'm not just saying that because they're both white. I can promise you that. I know that's I understand. What, like, I mean, listen, I get it. They're, they're the white, shifty slot receiver, but like mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, man. That, what was that? What was that season? Like he won the triple crown two years ago. He had the most receiving yards, touchdowns, and catches in the season. Yeah, it was 16 touchdowns, 145 catches, yeah. 1,947 yards. Yeah, it was one of the best regular seasons by a wide receiver ever. Yeah. No doubt. He played nine games last year. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I think he's I think he's right there. But, but I mean, Chase, Chase is awesome. And you know what's fun? Uh, just another Chase thought. The do you think both teams, the Lions and the Bengals, obviously the Bengals are thrilled. Do you think if the Lions could do it again, would they rather have J- Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell? Or I guess it was the Bengals who had the choice. It was the Bengals that had the choice. The, right. The ba- the Bengals the Bengals had the choice and they're obviously thrilled. And then the Lions are happy with their guy because their line's one of the best in football. But if it was like that's just like a classic debate. Uh I know that we've been in a lot here in Chicago of like, do you want to support your your quarterback with the elite tackle or the elite wide receiver? I think it's pretty clearly the elite wide receiver. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Uh, last one, New England and New Orleans. The Patriots have scored 55 points over five games. They've suffered two of the worst losses under Bill Belichick uh, in the last two weeks. And now you think that they're in play for the number one pick from the sounds of things. Okay. So I asked the question, are they live for Caleb? Because is it possible that Bill thinks he's seen it? He saw Mahomes win an MVP 
in year two. He saw Herbert go 31 touchdowns and 10 interceptions as a rookie. Saw Burrow be great basically immediately. Saw Lamar be great, you know, year two basically immediately. Is it possible that he orchestrates it to get a top two pick to get one of these quarterbacks and says, that's my path to greatness more so than leaving here and teaming up with another organization. Because they, they are terrible. I Well, now that Judon and Gonzalez are out on defense too, right. I mean, right. Uh, do you, so you think Robert Kraft is in on it? I'm I'm saying, listen, the, all the reporting is Belichick on the hot seat. They're in conflict. This is heading for divorce. I, I, I get all of that. I'm just saying devil's advocate conspiracy theory. They are playing non-competitive football. It's it, it, They're in a very tough division. If you score 10 a game, you're going to lose them all. So I just I, I think it's possible that they're gonna have the first, second, or third pick in this draft. And I wonder if for Belichick that's his path. And maybe they start losing by design and they become sellers here in a couple of weeks. I don't think he's gonna get the opportunity to 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 mold that quarterback there. I think that he's out if that's what happens. Unless he's in cahoots with the owner and they have a handshake deal and he's like, look, we're not any good. I was wrong about Mac Jones. I apologize for that. Just let me take this season out and start over. And his owner is like, okay, that's fine, Bill. Whatever. Like, this is your mulligan. You get another crack at it. Uh, unless that happened, I don't see him, because of everything you said about the other quarterbacks, losing games on purpose. I think he wants to – I think he still wants to try to get to nine or ten wins and make the playoffs. Well, that's I don't think not he's happening. I know it's not, but I don't think he's waving the white flag on things unless he has a handshake deal that it's in his best interest to do so because he's going to get an opportunity to work with a young quarterback there. Your New Orleans Saints, by the way, still not minus money to win the NFC South. They're plus 155. Well, just letting you know if you're, in, I mean, I know, I know you also, they are also your Atlanta Falcons, so it's tough for you, but. And I like the Bucks too. So I really. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've, I think you've been complimentary towards every team in the NFC South. <laughs> Except Carolina. I've yeah. spread the love around the other three teams there. Yeah. Pretty easy. Well, I'm just letting you know, if today your flavor is the Saints, you can still get positive money on them. But uh, anyway. All right, we'll yeah. All right. Thanks to Spencer Ray, our producer. Welcome back, Spence. Glad you're feeling better. We will come to you guys after uh, Thursday night football. Tell a friend every game, every team, every week. First and pot. Peace.